The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program, WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, its staff, or management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on 89.3 FM WMKV. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Jim Shapiro, filling in for Vena Jones-Cox. She is traveling, teaching real estate. Uh, I think she's in Nashville today. Uh, so I'm here filling in today, and I'll be doing the same thing next week. Today, I am going to be have, talking about an interesting topic. Have you ever heard of the silver tsunami? Silver tsunami is what we're calling the, the phenomenon that approximately... 10,000 people a day are turning 65 years old beginning last year. Uh, baby boomers have been driving a lot of things in our society for the last 50 years, 65 years now. And we are, and I'm in that generation at the tail end of it, uh, we are turning 65 at a rapid rate and we are going to be driving other changes in our society. And one is going to be what does this mean to housing? And today I'm going to be talking about the impact on housing. Uh, what is this storm of baby boomers turning older and facing the physical challenges that come with age? Uh, we know that our generation has, um, you know, unlike the generations before us, the Depression era and the World War II era, we've gotten used to having things the way we like them. We're a pretty demanding uh, generation We've had a lot of things come our way and been through a lot of periods of prosperity. And now we're going to start to need some new things in housing. And we're going to talk about that. And what does that mean for rental property owners and rehabbers working on houses? What sort of opportunity does that create? What are the buyers going to be looking for? What might we do differently? My guest today is Kat Lyons. Kat works with, the, with SILO, or the Center for Independent Living Options. Welcome, Kat. Thank you. Good to be here. Nice to have you today. Can you give us a brief overview on what is SILO and what is you know what is the Center for Independent Living Options about? Sure. Um, independent living centers were created uh, by the Rehabilitation Services Administration, and there's about 400 centers across the United States, um, and we are located in Cincinnati, and our mission is to um, break down the the barriers to complete inclusion of people with disabilities in their communities. So we work, uh, unlike a lot of other organizations, we work uh, with folks of all types of disabilities and all ages, from cradle to grave. So we cover the gamut. Okay. So what do you think the changing needs of uh, this this explosion of you know, and we're just starting. And, and I think one of the things I'll say today, we're talking about this now, five years from now or 10 years from now, we're going to see a lot of things different than we're probably seeing today. Because as this 
huge number of people starts having new needs. Mm-hmm. Things like what handrails, ramps. Uh, not always, you know, it's not all just wheelchair access, which is right. what a lot of people think of when they think of disabled access. Sometimes it's, uh, you know, taller toilets, right? The comfort height toilets. Uh, what do you think it's going to mean in housing? Is it going to single family homes or or single story versus two story? Is it? Well, obviously, things aren't going to change overnight. So it's going to be a transition. And, you know, my role, I guess, as an advocate is to try to get our society to start making that transition now, rather than waiting till later, because it's actually less expensive to build in in new construction than to retrofit later. And I really liked what you were saying earlier about the uh, the baby boomers, and we're used to getting our own way because my boss, for one, is always telling me, you know, baby boomers are not going to want to go into nursing homes, and right. they are not going to do it. And I think she's right, and, I, and, you know, we've already started a movement towards getting people out of nursing homes who are capable of living in the community because it's much less expensive. Even with even with supports in the community, it's much less expensive for for us to stay in the community. And let's face it, it's what everybody wants to do. I mean, right. there's v- people who actually want to go live in a f- nursing home are few and far between. So it's it's the the wave of the future. It's interesting you say it's going to be less expensive to build these modifications in than to add them afterwards because we do a lot of retrofitting in our business. Mm-hmm. Uh, bringing things up to modern standards. And certain things, you know, a three-bedroom house with only one bathroom on the second floor, that's not an easy retrofit right. to do things. Right. Uh, and I know I've seen, you know, I'm 53, and I already have friends saying, I don't want to live in a two-story house anymore. I don't like walking the stairs. I don't want to go to the basement to my laundry. The bedrooms are on the second floor. So things like first-floor master bedroom, I... My girlfriend lives in a condo, and and her condo development in Sharonville, which is a nice nice community, nothing real fancy, uh, hundred and forty to two hundred thousand dollar price range mm-hmm. in Cincinnati. Though so when the when the units with a first floor master go on the market, they are getting grabbed up. In you know, one neighbor had one; he sold it the day he put it on the market about six eight months ago. And no one talks about condos selling the day they go on the market. In this development. First floor master bedroom with a first floor bath and a first mm-hmm. floor office and then a couple bedrooms downstairs with another bath. They sell almost immediately, whereas the more traditional homes are, are taking longer, more traditional condos in that development. Uh, there's a couple terms I hear about in terms of uh, this subject. They talk about accessible housing and visible, visitable housing. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me for a, tell me what is visitable housing? Well, visitable, if you think of it as two words, it's a little easier to to grasp the word visit and the word ability. So basically, it is a movement to try to change home construction practices to allow for a couple of features that will allow somebody with a disability to enter the home and visit. So, for instance, if you want to have Thanksgiving dinner and, and, you know, grandma is, you know, using a walker or your nephew broke his leg and 
you know, he can't go upstairs, they can still come and have, have dinner. Okay. I've heard the phrase, get in and pee. Yes, yes, I've and used I, I that. Guess, <laughs> I guess that's, uh, so you can have a guest who can come to your home and actually right. get in the door without right. being carried up the stairs right. and go to the bathroom by themselves. Right. Yeah, there, there are really three basic um, qualities that make a home visitable. Um, and one of them is one at least one no-step entrance. It doesn't have to be the front door. It can be a side door. It can be through the garage. It can be anywhere. But the basically, the uh, it really applies to new construction as the basis of visitability because the way that you create that one-step or no-step entrance is to um, grade the land in such a fashion that it's it's seamless it's not even noticeable if you're not looking for it it you you don't notice um one of the other did you want to say something no go ahead one of the other uh qualities would be to have a, the doorways wide enough that uh someone can get in and basically that means 32 inches of clear space which calls for an actually larger door than 32 inches so and then in the hallways, you want at least 36 inches, which uh, it's not hard to come by these days because so many homes have the open floor plans and, you know, they're more airy and less long hallways than there used to be. Yet if I think about some of the newer homes I work with in you know, our middle-class neighborhoods mm-hmm. uh, in Westchester, Mason, they often have a first-floor bath. But often it's pretty tiny. There's no way you're going to get a wheelchair in there. Right. And that's the third thing that you, the third main quality of visitability is to to have the bathroom that a person can get into and close the door behind them because we all treasure our dignity. And uh, that's, you know, that's kind of really what it all boils down to is that we feel that basic access to to homes is is a a basic human need right. and a civil right. So we're trying to just change the way homes are constructed instead of having to constantly go back and um, and modify them at great expense, although we love you guys for doing it cause, yeah, because yes. accessible housing is hard to find. It is. And you think about, when we think about you know, public restrooms we use, that handicap stall is much bigger. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, that, that would be twice the size of a lot of powder rooms on mm-hmm. a first floor of, of modern houses. Mm-hmm. All right, well, we've got to take a break. We'll be back in a few minutes, so please stay with us. Hi, and welcome back to Real Life Real Estate. I am Jim Shapiro, filling in for Vena Jones-Cox today. Uh, if you have questions or you'd like to call in, please feel free to call us at five locally in the Cincinnati area, 513 513- Seven seven two nine six five eight, and outside the Cincy area, call us at one eight seven 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 two nine six five eight. We are uh, we are working together with the Real Estate Investor Association of Greater Cincinnati. A uh, little reminder: we've got a, a speaker. Actually, I'll be interviewing him on the radio next week. Mike Butler uh, will be speaking in Cincinnati uh, in. I see. I believe it's October twenty seventh, the end of end of October. He's going to be. Oh, he's going to be coming in at an earlier meeting, and then 
following up with a, a whole day workshop on how to be a successful landlord, landlording on, uh, landlording on autopilot. And then uh, September 20th, we have our regular membership meeting at the Community Action Agency in Bond Hill. The early meetings at 6 o'clock. We'll be talking with a local real, uh, real estate uh, knowledgeable CPA, Chuck Vonderhaar. We'll be talking about tax consequences of selling real estate and using 1031 exchanges. And then we're going to have a meeting with uh, our local organization staff and have a lot of uh, different topics and things we'll be talking about. So please uh, feel free to look us up on the website, CincinnatiRIA.com. Uh, back to our topic today, uh, I've got Kat Lyon here from the Center for Independent Living Options, Silo. Kat, you've talked about step-free path to get into a house and wider doors and a first-floor bathroom. What other things would go along with visitability or accessibility? Well, um, for visitability, the uh, I guess the, the the one that we don't often mention but is also essential is a step-free pathway to the front door because if there are steps up the sidewalk, you're still not going to get there. And even though this is meant for people um, with all types of mobility problems, not just for people with disabilities that are in wheelchairs, it still is a good way to look at it just to think, could I, could I roll a bicycle in here? Think of it that way. Could I get from the street or the driveway and roll something in here, and that's 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 the that's the one main thing that we're asking for is one no step entrance. So, and I'm thinking about in Cincinnati where we've got a lot of older housing stock, mm-hmm. and we've got a hilly terrain. Mm-hmm. Most houses I picture have three to four steps into the front door, mm-hmm. and three to four steps into the back door. Uh, so these issues, you know, they really will limit in some ways, people's options. Uh, It would strike me that ranch homes would become a real attractive option for folks with accessibility issues in in terms of our market locally. Oh, yeah, absolutely. For for someone who's looking for an already existing home and wants to, you know, retrofit it to be accessible, certainly it's much easier to do a ranch than any other because, well, you can do other houses, but you have to then end up putting in a elevator, and that's hugely expensive. But I was actually at City Rama yesterday. They had Realtor Day, and I was talking to one of the realtors about trying to change the the MLS listing and, the, the you know, what, it, what she thought when she saw accessible and and she actually was looking for an accessible house for one of her clients and she said as far as we know when we hear the word accessible most of our most of our realtors think a ranch they think it's and that you know it could be a ranch and still not be accessible because if there's even one step you can't roll into it. Well, so. certainly in one step though you can fairly easily work up ramps and things very easily and a lot of a lot of our neighborhoods, especially houses built in the, the 50s, 60s, 70s, there's a lot of neighborhoods that are filled with those little three-bedroom mm-hmm. ranches. Um, some of them don't have basements, so they also have first-floor laundries. Uh, mm-hmm. So those could be great targets. was one of the things, you know, our Absolutely. interest here as real estate investors sure. is how would we target offering accessible housing mm-hmm. 
And then, you know, we'll come to this topic in a little while. How do we find people, you know, if if I have a if I have a client who's ready to create some accessibility in a house, how do we then find that person mm-hmm. who wants it? Because that's part of our challenge. So right. let's, we'll come back to that. Let's talk a little more about uh, some of the other things I've heard of that people might look for in an accessible home. Um, I heard something about being able to easily add uh, hand grips, handrails, mm-hmm. and that they're starting to make them not looking like they're institutional. Actually, yes. We had uh, PwC, which is a organization called People Working Cooperatively. They're getting ready to open up a showroom called Whole Home here in Cincinnati, and they brought some examples of that. And the one that they were, you know, had actually mounted on a board to show people was um, it was actually a combination uh, toilet paper holder and uh, grab bar. So okay. it was kind of a in a U curve. It was very attractive. No one, if you if you didn't need a grab bar, you would never really notice that it was a grab bar. Okay, as opposed to those kind of very institutional inch and a half round mm-hmm. uh, ones that we that we all picture when we right. think of a grab bar in a bathroom. Right. So starting to make them more attractive. That's a interesting change. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, I know. I have people, often our showers have little towel holders or, you know, something mm-hmm. to hold a, a washcloth, and people will grab that to pull themselves up out of the bathtub and they'll rip the whole thing off the wall because right. that was not intended to be a grab bar. Right. And so starting to, to provide. So one of the things I, I read about was as if you were to be rehabbing a bathroom to put uh, like a two-by-four or a piece of three-quarter-inch plywood about, I think it's 36 inches up. Mm-hmm. So that all the way around the ba- the shower area or the bathroom area, so you could later know that if you want to add grab bars, it's reinforced there. You don't right. have to perfectly find the studs right. and, and get it in right. Right, and those those measurements are easily accessible on the um, on ADA guidelines. If you just Google that, um, you can you can find all that kind of information, or you can give me a call and I'll. I'll make sure that you get it. But that kind of information is out there, and it's good to do it. If you're going to do it, you might as well do it according to the ADA guidelines because then you can say this meets the ADA guidelines. But, yeah, we're trying to get even new builders to build in, you know, that reinforcement because otherwise you're stuck with, you know, either trying to find the studs and, you know, tearing up the wall or – actually tearing out the wall so it's much more expensive so what i understand that some builders have been resisting the idea of visitability they're making an argument that it's it's not there's not a demand for it yet what do you what's your response to that well my response is that really every time you hear somebody say as you were saying earlier i don't want to live in a house with steps anymore I don't want, you know, I want a first floor master bedroom. I want a first floor laundry, you know, all those things, even though they don't use the word, they're asking for accessibility. They're asking for an easier um, way to live in their house. And this is the really overlooked uh, feature that's involved here is that these items make life easier for everybody. even if you don't have a disability or you're not elderly. 
So um, I personally live in a condo that sounds a lot like your girlfriend's condo. Yeah, roll in front door, you know, first floor master, couple bedrooms downstairs, first floor laundry, and I love it. And I, I'm, you know, I'm a biped as we call ourselves. Uh, I'm still walking and uh, hope to be for a long time, but. When I get home with my groceries or whatnot, I can just put them in a cart and roll them into the kitchen. I don't have to carry them up any steps whatsoever. Um, and mothers with kids, you know, strollers, bicycles, you name it, uh, it makes life easier moving in that grand piano for sure. So I'm looking at some of the statistics that you sent me. So I think they're kind of interesting for us to consider as we think about this market. One in four of today's 20-year-olds will become disabled before they retire. And more than 70% will acquire some sort of disability by the time they reach age 75. Mm -hmm. So we're not talking about a really small percentage of the population. We're talking about a really growing percentage of the population. Absolutely, a growing percent. And my um, latest figures for just for our local area were that about 9% of the entire population here has a mobility disability, and that's everybody who's not in, is not in an institution. So that doesn't even count people who are in nursing homes. Here's another interesting statistic for a local uh, Claremont County, one of our four local major counties. In 2000, only 12% of the population was 60 or older, but now eight, in 2008, that had climbed to twenty, almost twenty-three percent. Mm-hmm. So an eleven percent increase. So that silver tsunami is really starting to hit. Yeah, for sure. Uh, what? One of the challenges, I guess, for folks as we look at at this sort of a market as a real estate investor, as a rehabber, how do we? I had a house that had a wheelchair ramp, and I mm-hmm. advertised it that way. Mm-hmm. I never had anyone with a wheelchair apply for it. And finally, and everyone that did apply for it said, could you get rid of that ramp? Mm-hmm. And eventually we did because it was a wooden ramp and it wasn't aging well. If I wanted to try to market, you know, and remember our audience isn't just in Cincinnati, how would we find uh, a community of, you know, how do we tap into the, the market that if we were willing to, to spend the time and money mm-hmm to create these modifications that we can find people that, that care and, are, and it means something to them. Right. Well, that's that's an issue that it's, it's a difficult issue and it's one that we've been working on for a while. Um, I think you and I had spoken at one point about other issues that are involved for people who have disabilities other than just being able to get in the front door. And it's important to remember that people with disabilities, elderly people, they also, you know, want to live in the neighborhood that they want to live in. They want to, you know, a lot of them need to be on a bus route or have other public transportation nearby. Um, They need sidewalks that aren't cracked and in disrepair. Um, So when you're trying to target people with disabilities you're it seems like if you build it they might come but but it's not necessarily true because they are also looking for those other qualities so um in a lot of ways I guess and I'm not a 
I'm not a real estate investor, although I would like to be. <laughs> Come to Rhea. Okay. Um, I guess if, if I was in that position, I would take uh, the attitude that I might try to find places that would lend themselves to that, but I wouldn't do a whole lot of modification until I had a tenant. And there you go. There's the rub. It's finding those people with disabilities. And that's why we're working on this issue. I mean, there are a few websites, actually. uh, There's a national website, but it's for home sales. It's not for rental. Okay. Well, we're about ready for another break here. So we're going to pick up with this question again. Uh, We'll be back with you in a few minutes with Real Life Real Estate. Hi, and welcome back to Real Life Real Estate. This is Jim Shapiro sitting today with Kat Lyons talking about accessibility and visitability and what does it mean as our aging population needs these sorts of features in their homes. Uh, What does it mean for us real estate investors who are buying and fixing up homes and what sort of properties might be the target? We've talked a little bit about things inside the house like no step entrances and and bathrooms on the first floor, bedrooms on the first floor. What other sorts of things? I think one of the things people forget about was I've heard a story. Someone said, I had this great house and it had all this great stuff, but I couldn't, you know, no one wanted it. And they had forgotten about that key thing in real estate, location. What other sorts of things would matter besides the structural stuff? You mentioned sidewalks. Mm -hmm. Well, Location, location, location. I mean, they want to be near their support system. So if it's an elderly person, they might want to live near their son and daughter-in-law or grandchildren or whoever. Um, A lot of people, as they get older or as they develop a disability, can't drive anymore. So transportation is very important. there, you know, it could be public transportation, it could be a paratransit system, could be friends who are willing to come and pick you up. But you may, you know, a lot of people don't have anybody. So they may need to actually live close to shopping um, and have um, sidewalks that aren't going to uh, keep them from getting to the shopping and home again. Um they need a safe neighborhood so that they can make that trip safely without being uh, accosted or or robbed or. So even if you had a great ranch house, but it's in the back of a suburban neighborhood without sidewalks and a half mile to the bus stop, that it might not really be a good target. It might not. Okay. It might not. You know, as we've we've discussed before, you know, there's a lot of different qualities that make something accessible, and and they're not the same for all different people. So, for instance, you know, if you're blind, your your requirements for accessibility are totally different than if you're in a wheelchair. That gets to one of the interesting challenges as we've worked on some of these topics together in the past. There's no real set of standards for what is accessible housing. You know, there's there's things you know, universal design inclusive design, accessible design, mm-hmm. but there's no list of here's 20 items that would define accessibility, and if you have these three, it's, it's a good for this target, and if you have these five, it's good for this target. That's kind of a challenge for this, isn't it? You know, the, it absolutely is, but if you think about it, it's no different than 
the rest of the population. Everybody has their, you know, their wants and their needs, and they're all different. That's, you know, that's what makes sure. the horse race. Everybody need, everybody wants something different. Um, but I think you can rely on one standard uh, for people with disabilities that it is the, and people as they grow older is that they need something that's affordable and that they can um, maintain and stay there because that's what they want to do. They want to age in place. And one thing we didn't touch on is that this is a sustainability issue as well. I know that's that's a popular word these days, and and I'm all on board with it. But if you have to move all the time because as you're growing older, it's not it's not a sustainable home. So, what about and one of the big issues for our landlords and rental housing is fair housing. Mm-hmm. What are the fair housing implications of the Fair Housing Act? And people with disabilities. Well, fair housing actually covers um, buildings that have more than four units in them, or oh. four or more units. So it doesn't really cover um, the one, family? two, or three family. It doesn't cover well, anything fair, that's fair built housing? before. No, I think you mean affordable. The Americans with Disabilities Act. Well, the housing ADA is is it's interesting, but it is covered in fair housing in in five hundred four. Okay. Because yeah. I know there's also you know, landlords. There are ADA standards. We we can't discriminate against mm-hmm. people with disabilities. Right. Uh, we can't refuse a for, uh, reasonable accommodation. Right. So, if a if a tenant applies for a home, but they'll need a wheelchair mm-hmm. ramp. As long as they're willing to pay the cost or they can get someone, like in Cincinnati, the People Working Cooperatively Organization does mm-hmm. a lot of that. Mm-hmm. We can't refuse them because of that. We have to let them do that. Mm-hmm. And then with the requirement that potentially they return it back to how it was before. Is that right? That's right. Okay. Now, um, one thing that comes up a lot is who has to pay for it. And, and you're right, the tenant has to do that. Um, but as far as, as turning it back again, I wouldn't do that hastily. I understand yeah, that sometimes people come to you and they're like, oh, we, we hate this ramp, get rid of it, especially if it's a, you know, one that's got multiple switchbacks and all that stuff. But, um, you know, you might find somebody right. because truly accessible housing is – it's hard to find, just as hard as it is for you to find uh, the renter to put in there, it's hard for them to find the housing as well. But I would say that they often make very good tenants because they're, it's hard for them to move, <laughs> basically. True. So the longer a tenant stays in a rental home, yeah. the, the better it is. Yeah, so once they get in there, um, they're, gonna, they're probably going to want to stay. Uh, you had said something about that the builders are saying the consumers aren't demanding it, uh, and that what else? You know, how do we how do we bridge that gap that for both building and for mm-hmm. for modification? Well, I think um, I'm personally trying to go at it from two angles, and one is to educate the builders, and the other is to educate the public. So that they are asking for it, so that they maybe um, these concepts aren't things that really 
you know, everybody has inborn. It's not until you actually need it or until you have a family member who needs it. Do a lot of people even think about that there's, you know, two steps up from the garage or, you know, three steps to the porch and three more in the door? Um, As long as you're able to use that, it really isn't an issue. So we need to educate the public and we need to educate the builders as well. And I'm very happy to be here trying to educate the real estate investors. And I uh, appreciate the opportunity. It was interesting. Thank you. We're happy to have you here today, Kat. Uh, you mentioned City-Rama. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Cincinnati every year, there are some new development, new housing uh, efforts that go on. One is in the city. It's called City-Rama, where there's usually three to five homes built. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's Homorama in one of the suburbs. I read that the Home Builder Association of Greater Cincinnati uh, suggested that people with disabilities not attend City-Rama because the houses didn't have, weren't set up for handicap accessibility and that you all got involved a little bit and right. working to change that? Well, we actually have been working to change that for at least two years. Um, and I actually attended a fair housing meeting this afternoon and um, spoke to uh, the city and the county people that are involved with the fair housing and they're going to work on that too. But Basically, the issue for City Rama is that, and I don't want to badmouth the home builders here at all, um, but the issue is that they put a disclaimer on their website that basically said, you know, we don't have to and we can't make these homes accessible, therefore, um, you know, the event will be accessible. You can come. There's a bathroom. You know, there, you can. There's accessible parking, um, et cetera. But you won't be able to get in the houses anyway. So you might as well just stay home and look at them on the internet. <laughs> That's a pretty amazing. Well, it's and you si- can check it out yourself. And if, interestingly enough, we we tried to get them to kind of open that up and make it more welcoming. But I think that's kind of boilerplate lawyer talk. Yeah. So. Well, I think it's a sign that if the builders aren't really being responsive to that, if investors, there's there's a niche there. Absolutely. And, and while it may not explode today, if we start thinking about that over the next five and ten years, as some of these homes that we're buying for long-term hold uh, for rental, especially those ranches, I think – I've often, I've often said, as, as some of the old ranches in our older neighborhoods, you know, people kind of sneer at them. And the McMansions were so popular mm-hmm, in these big homes. Mm-hmm. And I've been saying for a while, those ranches, because I grew up in a ranch, and I've Me lived too. in ranches yep. uh, most of my life. Yep. And they're real convenient. Yep. And uh, those ranches in, in our neighborhoods locally, it's Deer Park and Mount Healthy and, you know, Forest Park, right? Uh, the, a lot of the neighborhoods built in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, uh, those are going to be in real demand again. I think so. Because we're going to see that they offer that first floor bathroom, first floor bedroom, and it's not that hard to put a laundry upstairs if it's already in the basement. You can. We did that for my parents. Right. Uh, they live in a ranch, and it was hard for my mother to walk the stairs. Mm-hmm. And a few years ago, we moved the washer-dryer to the back hallway, and 
She loved it. You right. know. She's had two knee replacements, and not walking up and down the stairs was a real positive for her. And it's allowed her to stay in that home. And that's what it's all about, really, is um, being able to age in place and stay in your home if you become ill or if you, you know, maybe you just have a temporary disability. A lot of people go in the hospital and then they find out they can't go home because they can't go upstairs and everything in their house is upstairs, especially the bathroom. So, Yeah, and those older homes with uh, three beds and the only bathroom is upstairs, that's a tough one. Mm-hmm. All right, I think we're time for another break here, so we'll be back in a few minutes. Uh, if you have any questions or would like to call, Please call us at 513-772-9658 or out of the region at 877-772-9658. Hi, and welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. This is Jim Shapiro talking today with Kat Lyons from the Center for Independent Living Options. Uh, Kat, there's a misperception, I think, that this market we're talking about, people with disabilities, isn't very big, and, and they don't have any buying power. You know, what, are, what are your comments about that? Well, I think that is a misperception because um, nearly all, half of uh, all the people with disabilities are the principal shoppers in their household. And um, if you don't know that the older people are the ones with the big fat wallets, you're you're missing the boat because... Um, they they do um, represent only about 25% of the population but control about 50% of the nation's buying power and 75% of its assets. So they have more disposable income these days than um, probably any other segment of the population. So appealing to that se- segment is, is not a mistake at all. All right. I think we've got a caller, uh, Bob in Cincinnati. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Hi, Jim, and uh, hello to your guests. I'd just like to point out that a lot of these accommodations are really uh, dual use, and we can all take uh, advantage of them at one time or another. Uh, For example, the uh, curb cuts that they put in on the uh, streets, they're useful for somebody who's uh, got a stroller or a cart full of groceries or uh, luggage uh, on wheels, uh, many other uses, uh, many other people find them useful uh, beyond just folks in wheelchairs. And the same thing is true for the combinations that we might uh, make in our house. Uh, Who who among us uh, hasn't had a kid in a stroller or been... uh, wheeling a new fridge in or uh, whatever it might be. Um, Accommodations like uh, ramps or uh, widened doorways are good for all of us. So uh, the builders need to wise up. Well, I couldn't agree more. I I think you've hit the nail on the head, and it really does make life easier for everyone, whether you have a disability or whether you're elderly. And you're, you're right right on target there we're all going to get there eventually whether <laughs> temporarily that's right uh, and i think the the silver tsunami is saying there's more of us getting there faster than ever before in in our modern history uh when ten thousand people a day are turning 65 uh that's a it's a huge shift in in the and it's going to drive changes mm-hmm. uh 
as I said earlier, I think we're at the beginning of this process now. Ten years from now, a lot of these things are have become second nature. Uh, I really liked when I heard that they were starting to do something like make the grab bars attractive mm -hmm. rather than institutional looking. No one wants a bathroom that's got a bunch of institutional. You know. in, in fact, when we get a house like that, we're often motivated to take those things out of the bathrooms because they're ugly. And yet if they were you know, attractive, wrought iron, Russian nickel, just like the other things in the bathroom, if the towel bar is also a grab bar, if the toilet paper holder is also a grab bar, uh, no one's going to object to that. But that institutional-looking inch-and-a-half round metal pipe uh, that looks like a nursing home right. uh, or a hospital room, uh, that's not real attractive in our home. So great point, Bob. Thank you very much. Thanks. Thanks for your call. Uh, what I think one of the challenges we face now, Kat, is... If I was willing to renovate a house and try to make it, uh, and I think I had a house that was a, a good candidate. It was a one story. It didn't have a step up. Uh, it was in a nice area with close to transportation, close to shopping, close to medical. You know, it, it met all of those criteria. How do I go about finding that person with a disability who might want that house? I think. Mm -hmm. I think that's one of our challenges now. Well, certainly uh, one way, and it, this is not a surefire way, but one way you can make contacts in your local community would be to contact an independent living center or uh, some other uh, council on aging, um, you know, something somebody with a specific uh, disability like the Multiple Sclerosis Society and just ask them because it's an issue and I'll have to be honest with you I keep hoping there's going to be an app for that <laughs> <laughs> so if any of you out there are software developers um, there's a there's a huge market for this app yeah it sounds like we're talking about a huge market but we haven't quite got a grasp on how to tap into it right and you know I, I kind of think it's gonna it's gonna be a computer thing, you know, okay. just as everything is these days. Although I, I I do personally think that we still need live people to relate this information to people who are not yet on the internet because we haven't completely made that. Well, you, you mentioned transition. talking to some realtors, and I understand your organization is talking to the multiple listing service, the board of realtors, about adding more accessibility-related information right. to listings. Right. We're, we're definitely going to try that because, as I, I think I mentioned earlier, accessible on the MLS currently just means to most of the realtors that it's a ranch, which is, really doesn't get you very far. Well, and then there's there's all kinds of levels of accessibility. We talked about that. Mm -hmm. You know, there's bathrooms and kitchens where you can roll up mm -hmm. and do your dishes if you're in a wheelchair it's putting switches lower. It's controls right. on the front of the stove instead of on the back. Uh, there's a lot of those other sorts of things. And I guess that goes back. There's a whole continuum right. of from, you know, from visitability mm -hmm. to higher, higher and higher levels of accessibility. Uh, I guess we'll just see, see this. This is going to evolve over time for us, isn't it? Right. And, you know, one of the things that we haven't really talked about much, and I know we're running out of time, but I do want to mention 
universal design. And that is kind of the, um, the theory that everything should be as easy to use as possible for everyone. So trying to make things ease of use for people uh, ranging from children to old people, people with, um, with and without disabilities. And um, that's kind of um, the movement that, that's more interested and the attractiveness of, of the visibility, the accessibility features. Um, so that's something that you're your listeners might be interested in and in knowing about as well. So I guess it's it's really going to be we're going to see new products coming out. We're going to see increasing demand, and and as real estate investors, we want to try to tap into this. It might be the kind of thing we start making these little changes, like mm-hmm. putting the the grab bars in a bathroom that look nice, or the reinforcements behind a wall if we're renovating mm-hmm. that bathroom, so that later on we can add that sort of stuff without trouble. Uh, Wider doorways, uh, you know the the handles, even the the latches on doorknobs right, right. can be uh, an issue there. And a lot of it really doesn't cost uh, very much more than your standard features. For instance, to put five wider doors in a in a house adds two dollars per door to the cost. And so, for a grand total of ten dollars, you can have wider doors. There was an interesting quote I saw at a presentation we attended. It said, disability is not caused by the physical condition. Disability is caused by the built environment. So if the environment's right, these disabilities aren't important. It's when there's all these impediments in our environment that disability really becomes an issue. I guess uh, we're we're, we're coming up on the end here. I want to thank you, Kat, for being with us today. I want to invite everyone to uh, get more information. Come join us at Cincinnati RIA or at your local RIAs around the country. And I guess the the message here is we're going to see more and more issues around disability and accessibility and be looking for how to make this a a feature that as investors we can can make this work for everybody and and be profitable for us and our businesses. Absolutely. Thank you very much for joining us today, Kat, and look forward to speaking to you next week. Come back, have a good week, and uh, be, be, be successful in your real estate.